0: Presented by Kaleida
1: Health. We made it to Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show. Glad to have you with us. Be here till three. And uh, we're on the precipice of the biggest game of the regular season. The precipice. You like that word? That's my 50 center for the day. I'm sure you'll have one as you usually do. I left my... You okay?
0: I, I left my drink somewhere. Oh boy, you're a
1: little unsettled. You're right. going to be okay.
0: Staff, attention, staff. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. People start running in here. I have
0: no idea what it where it is. Scurrying around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh well. Let's go anyway. We're just push. Oh through, yeah, yeah. Oh. Push well, through. well, yeah. You don't really have a choice. We're doing right. that regardless. Uh, Bills wrapping up on the practice field here on Friday. They were inside again today uh, on the turf field and. Uh, pretty much wrapping things up. The only non-participant was Mitch Morse due to illness. So he mispracticed today, let him rest up, maybe get some IV fluids in him and uh, have him feeling better tomorrow and hopefully no worse for wear for the game on Sunday. No one else has been ruled out to this point for Sunday's game. Damar Hamlin, I think, would be – The player most in question uh, had a red non-contact jersey on in practice this week, but I'm not even certain he would be active on Sunday, so it it might very well be a moot point there. Meanwhile, the Dolphins' side of the ledger is much much lengthier in terms of questions and such, and we should tell you Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. The Dolphin side of the ledger, though, lengthy. But head coach Mike McDaniel re- just addressed the media in the last hour. Here are the updates. Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddell will both practice on a limited basis today, and then a determination will be made on their status for the game on Sunday. McDaniel said neither player has closed the idea, closed the door on the idea of playing Sunday night. Tyreek Hill, um, back in the building Friday. He missed all day yesterday due to his house fire at his home. He's back in the building, expected to practice in some capacity, determination made, uh, but I think in all likelihood he's expected to play. The two inside linebackers, David Long and Duke Riley, they are both on the injury report, both of them expected to play per McDaniel. Robert Hunt, who missed last week's game, their starting right guard, Has made good progress all week. Looks like he is going to play. And then uh, starting inside linebacker Jerome Baker, who's missed the last four or five games due to injury on injured reserve, opened his practice window this Wednesday. There have been no setbacks for him so far this week. So McDaniel said he is optimistic that Baker will be ready to play. And then beyond that, Xavier Howard Has been declared out for Sunday's game, so he had the foot injury last week. Will not be able to play. Bradley Chubb, obviously, he had surgery on his uh, knee, his torn ACL. He'll be placed on injured reserve tomorrow, and then presumably taking his place on the roster will be the aforementioned Jerome Baker. Uh, McDaniel was asked the question that we've been tossing around here all week. Just in terms of, do you rest any of these injured guys because the playoffs are next week instead of playing them Sunday night? And McDaniel said, it's a question of making the best educated guess as to how much of a risk they'll be putting the player in by playing Sunday night. He did reiterate, Mostert wants to play. Um, The general consensus from down in Miami from reporters who cover the team is that Mostert figures to be up for Sunday night's game, but that he'll take a secondary role in the backfield behind Devon Achan. So it looks like Achan is probably going to be the primary back Sunday night, while Mostert takes more of a backup role. So that's how we anticipate things going there, and we'll have a little more on Achan uh, a little bit later on in the show, because he's part of our Collision Course segment this week. But that guy gave the Bills problems. When he touched yeah. the ball in the first game, he had eight carries for 101 yards, Steve, including yeah. a 55-yard scamper yeah. and a 3-yard touchdown run. He is a problem. Yeah. Eight your eight carries. You kind of think like
0: well, what were they doing? Why didn't they give it to him 15 times, right? Um, it's crazy. He had a really good game against Buffalo and that guy is he's crazy fast. The one thing the Dolphins and and you know this because looking at their stats, all these guys can scoot. We all hear about Tyreek and how he can go. Listen, A-chan can really go, and so can Mostert and Jalen Wall. I mean, they they have a as track m- team. They have as much speed as any team in the NFL maybe ever has. Um uh, has ever had. This is what the Raiders used to look like. They back are in the day. fast everywhere. And they're a handful for that reason. And you know, these injuries, and I'll, and I'll say this too, and I, they're not track guys because, well, I
1: don't They know. could be. Yeah, but here's the thing. H.N. ran track the at old, Texas A&M.
0: The old story from the reason track guys some kind, sometimes struggle to play football is that football, you got to play when you're, ain't, you're, ain't, you're not right. Yeah. Track guys need to be right. And the old stereotype, it doesn't, didn't fit everybody, but the stereotype was that track guys didn't like to play unless didn't like to run unless they were feeling perfect. You know they need to. they you know, just running. Well, you know football. You're never like that. So yeah, sometimes rarely. Some guys sometimes struggled with that when they made that transition from being a really fast guy on the track to a a fast guy on a football field with guys beating on them. So um, this team in Miami and they ain't got none of those guys. These guys all go. They're they're they got some dog in them and they are really good. They, that's why they're number one in the league in
1: offense. That's why they're a handful. That's right. Uh, The only other NFL news that was worth mentioning was James Cook's older brother, who parted ways with the Jets last week, cleared waivers, and then was signed by the Baltimore Ravens to their practice squad. So the rich get richer, so to speak. So Dalvin Cook uh, is going to be on the practice squad of the Ravens, and if they need him, they'll call him up for the playoffs. And he'll have two weeks to get ready, you know, get a handle on Baltimore's offensive system <clears throat> he is a, And uh he's actually playing for the same offensive coordinator that his younger brother had at Georgia, Todd Monken. So, he the, the striking resemblance between these two. Oh my god. James they and could Dalvin. be twins.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they look alike. And uh so it's kind of cool to see. But, you know, he's bounced around already
1: this year, so I don't know how much tread is on that tire. But there's some good experience in that. That is the kind of signing you expect the Ravens to make. They have a long history of bringing in grizzled veteran players. So well, no longer flinch. with the Jets, he's with the Ravens now. Guys like that don't flinch. And here's the other thing, because uh, I was reminded of this rule. I was just kind of combing through some stuff to see you know, what things change with regard to rosters and stuff when you get to the postseason. Right. So during the regular season... A practice squad player can only be called up four times in the season and revert right back to the practice squad without having to put that player on waivers. Once you elevate a player, after that, they have to go on your 53-man roster, and if you don't do that, they, go, they can go on waivers and then they can be claimed by somebody else. In the postseason, you have unlimited practice squad elevations. Unlimited. So you go all the way to the Super Bowl, and play four games. Everybody can play. Yeah. Everybody can get called up at any given time. It's a free flowing roster from the practice squad up to game day roster. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, yeah, it's and here's the other thing, Steve. I don't know what feedback you've gotten to this point. I've I've received some pretty I wouldn't overwhelming is too strong, but the majority Of the feedback that I've gotten, whether it's people in the neighborhood, people at the grocery store about this game, they feel confident, which that's not a common thing with all the scar tissue that Bill's fans carry around. There is a a level of confidence this week in particular, and I guess it has to do with the past history and even the recent history. Uh, of the bills well, beating this dolphins team that yeah that history's not going to last forever and no at any point it could end um,
0: certainly you got to feel good about the way the bills played this team when they when this team was flying this Miami team is flying high first month of the season and Buffalo got them really good at home they are diff- for two things one they're a very different football team when they're playing in Miami or the Dolphins true and they've got a lot of reps. In this offense, this year, um, there's uh, they're a good football team. They're they're at the top of the division. They have been for. They were three games up on this club on the Bills. Yeah, just five weeks, ago. five weeks ago. Um, and I I have a hard time. Although this kind of where we were, the Bills were super confident that they were going to get it together and start winning games, and of course they have to the tune of four in a row.
1: And the Dolphins were, what, 2-2 two and two in that stretch? Yes. There you go. Um, so now it's – I don't know that I would call the Bills flying high right now. They've right. been grinding out wins. They, so I don't think they're flying high like the Dolphins were the last time these two teams met. Well, the Bills were well the Bills were flying high when they met the Dolphins the first time.
0: They, yeah. j- But they had played the Raiders and the Commanders, too. So there's a little something in that as well. Yes. You know, they beat the Raiders 38-10. They beat the Commanders 37-3. And then with the 3-0 and Dolphins coming in here, and the Bills off of two really good games. That was a huge game, remember? It was a spectacular day in Buffalo, beautiful weather, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 70 degrees. It could not have been more perfect, and the Bills hung a 48-20, you know, burger on them. Um, and then it started to go a little sideways for Buffalo, and they started scoring you know, 20 and 14 and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the injuries hit. And it was particularly the next week against Jacksonville when they lost Milano and DaQuan, and Daquan. A so, week
1: after losing Tredavious,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, that was an adjustment period. So you could you could chalk up all the Bills, you know, sideways in the record book, uh, the wins loss record to that if you want. You know, they changed offensive coordinators, all of that stuff. I mean, they they have been bailing water out of this thing for a minute, but now they're winning. And everybody's happy about that. It, they don't look the same offensively. Defensively, at times, they look even better. I think they look better, yeah. Offensively, it's not the team we've become accustomed to with Josh Allen and Steph Diggs in it. So that's the thing that I think a lot – that's the only thing that throws a fly in the, in the ointment of winning the AFC East again easily.
1: Right. And – we always say this going into these division games. Ah, oh, the Bills are clearly the better team. It usually doesn't matter in division games. And that's why they end up being close, because their personnel knows yours, their coaching staff knows yours, and vice versa. And because there aren't many surprises, games tend to stay close in these division matchups. And I'm anticipating that here on Sunday night as well. Right. Um, Would it be great if they run off and leave the Dolphins and bury them? Absolutely. I'm not anticipating that.
0: No, they're too good at home. They're too tough to beat anyway. Um, They got up on top of them in that first.
1: Well, they went toe-to-toe for the first four possessions. This
0: this is the game that went Buffalo goes goes down, boom, touchdown, let's go. Then the Dolphins come back, touchdown for them. Okay, the Bills come back, touchdown. And then the Dolphins come back, touchdown. And it's like two minutes into the second quarter. And it's 14-14, And you're think, dude, this is <laughs> yeah. Did the defenses come
1: to play today? Right. Like, what's what the hell right. going on?
0: And then the Bills got to force a punt, and the Bills I think win again. Got a touchdown. I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly now, but I remember this game started at fourteen, fourteen, and yeah. it was it looked like a ping pong match. So, it, Miami's got it under the hood just like
1: Buffalo does, and where they got right. whether they're all healthy or not. We'll see. I well, the, and, and that's the thing. It looks like some of these guys are are pretty committed to playing. Now, what version of Raheem Mostert we see will bear watching. What version of Jalen Waddle if he takes the field bears watching. So, if you're Miami
0: and I, the player, then the coaching staff and all that say, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna play the guys we can. We're gonna play as good as we can." I get all that. If you're the players on this Miami team, bro. The Bills ain't winning this division again. Let's go.
1: Well, I think, Let's and I go. think that's the internal motivation. For they them. are. They are. Going. They are tired of oh, seeing yeah. this Bills team. Yeah, beat them out for the division title. That's right. And I think that can go a long way for a football. Yes, team. it can. You know, slay the dragon type mentality. That's,
0: think about this: the Bills were as good a team as that has been up and running for the last four years, and in one of those games. The team they put out of the playoffs the previous year came in. They're the only team that lumped them up, the Indianapolis Colts. The Bills beat them in the, in the Phillip Rivers Hail Mary game at the end. They beat them. And the next year, the Colts come in here and just wax the Bills. That's the only team you can think of that really they did it to them, them that yeah. stomped them. And that's the only time it's really ever – That's
1: 2021.
0: That's right. Since 2020, that's the only time it's ever happened. Every, every other loss has been a single-score game. Or very close if
1: not every if no, if I not every loss. Since twenty twenty one I know it is. I don't know about twenty twenty. Yeah. So they only lost four games in twenty twenty.
0: Right. So it's let me I'll just check for you real quick. But yeah, it's 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 that kind of motivation that the Dolphins can go back and get that, you know, yeah, they the they lost the Titans sixteen to forty two on a Tuesday.
1: Oh yeah, right. So since twenty twenty one only one game lost by double digits? They lost. Or to, or remember the Titans. Yeah, the COVID year, sixteen to forty-two well, yeah, that's in when Tennessee. They didn't know if they were playing on a Monday, a Tuesday, if then they were going
0: to they were going to play, play the Titans, Chiefs, or, and then they weren't going to play the Chiefs. They're going to play the Titans. They're going to do it on a Tuesday. They played them on a Tuesday. Yeah, seriously. So,
1: yeah that, that's how that went. Um, yeah. So I don't. I'm I'm just I'm very mixed on on how this game is going to unfold. There's here's my concern. I would say this is my biggest concern about the game on Sunday night as it pertains to the Bills. The Bills offensively have been unable to get off to a fast start since the Dallas game. So you're going three of your last four games, even though you've won them all, the offense had trouble getting into a rhythm. Now, you can do that against a Chiefs team that's struggling offensively, against a Chargers team with a backup quarterback and an interim head coach and against a New England team with Bailey Zappi and nobody to throw to at receiver. You can't do that against the number one scoring team in football on their home field. That's my concern. There's Is that a legitimate concern? Absolutely. And here's the thing. that You
0: can see both sides to every single pro and con in this in this whole scenario. Yes, the but the Bills play to their competition. If you're playing the number one team, the Bills look like it. Yeah, that is that is true. They do do that. The Bills look like it. The Bills rise up. They played this team back in week four when they were flying high, and you know what? The Bills rose up and got them. They played on the road in a rainstorm against the defending NFC champs, who at the time were the number one seed in the conference over there. They took them to overtime and lost it on a super superhuman field. kick
1: in the in the rainstorm, superhuman. It was superhuman. It
0: was superhuman.
1: So they were you so, here when I said uh, maybe it was Maddie. I th- that, yeah, you kick said of the it. year. Right? Kick of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's I've, the kick of the year in the league. <laughs> yes, it's it is. Kick. I know you've said it. I get it. So that
0: so that's you know that's where this team is. You can say yeah that they're playing the, and, and then you can also say listen they're. They're not as athletic as they have been in the past in the secondary. Poyer and Hyde are nicked up a little bit, and they're starting to show a little age. You got Rasul Douglas, who is a playmaker, but he's not an elite athletic, you know, number one corner. He's got the length and the arms and the strength and all that, but he's just not openly fast. And then you got everybody else over at the other corner. Taron Johnson's playing well, no question about it. You got some young athletic linebackers, but in the secondary, you're going against some athletes, some elite athletes on the on the back end. You really got to play mind your P's and Q's back there and make sure you go to your landmarks, don't watch Tua's eyes, do everything you're supposed to do. Otherwise, they're going to take the lid off the defense and start throwing it over the top. So there's all of that in there. But by the same time, this is the same secondary who's so well-prepared and so savvy, and they have done nothing but give Tua fits. You can We can all see it in games past where Tua comes back, wants to throw it, and he can't because somebody's there. Right. And then, you know, then. Or they've muddied the picture and he's not sure that's what right. he sees. So that stuff alone gives you the idea that, well, maybe they've got it. You know, um, all of this, you can talk yourself in and out of every single scenario you can think of and how this game's going to come down. Blow out Dolphins, blowout Bills, tight b- Dolphins, tight Bills. You can see it all. Um, Although you know the bills, it takes a lot to out to run off and leave them,
1: right? And I would argue part of what's helping that coverage on the back end has been a pretty steady and consistent pass rush. Whether it's just with four or whether it's Sean McDermott's varied blitz packages with people coming from different places, simulated pressures, different people pressuring, it's made a difference. And I I noted this in our five things to watch for in Bills Dolphins this Bills defense is four sacks away from tying the single season team record in franchise history for sacks they have 53 the record is 57 they're four sacks away the, from a team record the if there is one
0: thing you look and you can they can do the same thing to the Bills if they you know so desire they can pick a but to me if there is a weakness in the Miami Arsenal offensively, it's their offensive line, and that plays to the strength of where Buffalo's defense has been this year. That gives me some idea that ball's got to come out if it's Tua, or he's going to go down. And the old Al Davis song: "He's the quarterback's going to go down, and he's going to go down hard." You know, <laughs> he's got to go down. And Not he's bad, go, Brooklyn.
1: Is there? And Steve. he's
0: got to go down hard. Um, that's that's could be the difference in this game. Can the Bills' pass rush take advantage of an offensive line in Miami that is both injured and full of guys who have not played their best? Um, That's a matchup that's going to bear watching.
1: I would agree. I'm I'm very curious to see how Miami plays the Bills defensively. As we said, it looks like Xavier Howard is the only guy that's going to be missing from the equation, along with Bradley Chubb, which are significant absences, don't get me wrong, and Jalen Phillips, who's been out for the past month. So they're shorthanded from a pass rush perspective, and one of their top two corners is out. That's not good. Um, and we'll talk to Greg Cosell about this more in the second hour of the show when we break down some of the X's and O's. But the Dolphins play with seven defensive backs. It's known as their dollar package. Um, do we see more of that? you know, kind of flood the field with coverage players and dare the Bills to run the football. I don't know if that's a wise move by Miami. They can't live like that with James Cook in the backfield for Buffalo. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see what Vic Fangio draws up, whether he decides to, A, stay conservative – Knowing he's got the number one scoring offense on his sideline, right? You know, play conservative. Just keep it all in front of you. Force him into twelve and thirteen and fourteen yeah, play yeah. drives. Force or, Josh. Force Josh Allen to be patient. Or is he shorthanded to the point where he feels he's got to get exotic, and aggressive, and come after this offense for the Bills? I tend to think it's going to be the former, um, but I think he's going to mix in some surprises for them. Uh, yeah, for sure. I imagine I, I, it's always the
0: case where. You want to make the team go the long way, but you do sprinkle in some rolls of the dice, right? We're going to try and go. We're going to try and nick them here, and we think we got a shot here. They'll do that all the way throughout. But yeah, I think I'm with you. I think Vic Fangio has seen enough of Josh Allen to say, "Listen, okay, we're not. If if he wants to dink and dunk all the way down, that's fine. But we're not going to let him bust out of there and run up our backs." himself and get a nineteen yard scramble play and we're not gonna let him go over the top. So we're gonna James Cook can catch it for five yards and a six yard gain. But that's all you're gonna get. I think that's the that's the strategy,
1: right? Right. And you know, Dan Orlovsky told us as much when we had him on the show on Tuesday in his weekly appearance where he said, Vic Fangio defenses force you to be patient. Yeah. So it's incumbent upon Josh to stay patient in this game and not try to get it all in one play, because that's the last thing a right. Vic Fangio defense lets you do. Right. We want to remind you it is the OBL Friday fan mailbag. So any question you have about the Bills, the NFL at large, fire them off at us at 803 eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Got open lines for you there. Uh, you can also submit a question on the tweet sheet at one Bills Live. We also have. Tailgate Friday. We know a lot of Bills fans are making the trip down to South Florida this weekend for this game. What are you going to be cooking up in those tailgate lots down in Miami Gardens? If you got something already set for your menu, let us know. And uh, you can tweet those at us as well. And as I said, Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, will be joining us in the second hour of the program about... 35, 40 minutes from now uh, to touch touch on some X's and O's, uh, both for the Dolphins and the Bills in this matchup, which is the second one of the season between these two teams. Uh, I was stunned, Steve. I already knew how good Josh Allen's numbers were against the Dolphins. And then you brought up one number, and I dug a little bit deeper to bring more to the table here. And we know that Josh Allen in the regular season has played the Dolphins 11 times. He has a 9-2 and record. Over that span of time, 31 touchdown passes, 5 rushing touchdowns for a total of 36. So it's 36 total touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He also has run for 571 yards and has a 110.8 passer rating in his regular season game career against Miami. In three of those 11 games, he has thrown four touchdown passes, including week four this season. In three of those games, he has thrown at least three touchdown passes, and he has never thrown fewer than two touchdown passes in a game against Miami. This is the one that knocked my socks off. In 11 career regular season games against the Dolphins, Josh Allen has been named AFC Offensive Player of the Week five times. Five times in eleven games against the Dolphins, that is stupid. With a capital S, stupid. Yeah. Five out of eleven games, you're the player of the week in the conference. Holy mackerel, man!
0: That yeah. is nuts. Yeah, there, and it it goes on and on. He's uh, five and one against Tua. Um, he's, you know. Last game they played, he was. We talked about it yesterday. Twenty-one to twenty-five last time these two teams played. Twenty-one to twenty-five. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. Remember that? Oh, he yeah. had four touchdown passes, four incompletions, and a running touchdown. Yeah.
1: It was, uh, and he was AFC offensive player. It was week? an
0: absolutely glorious day for Bills Mafia in Buffalo on Orchard Park. Uh, Steph Diggs had three. Um, it was an amazing day. So we'll see. Um, there's a it's it's going to be an absolutely fun game. Um, I imagine Bills Mafia will have the exact same angst during this game that they have had for every other game. This is you know, this has been a team that has been absolutely excruciatingly glorious to cheer for. I mean it's been a it's been a painful joyride. Uh, to get them back into the point where they can win the division with a win over Miami and Tua, and walk in there with the history of this franchise, with the history of this quarterback and these guys against this team. It you can't. It's so. In, I mean, you can sell the whole. My neighborhood's vacant. Everybody's in Florida.
1: Oh really? Oh my gosh!
0: Like your whole block. <laughs> wow. Everybody's gone. I was getting I was getting texts from like guys that, with their you know the beach behind them.
1: Yeah, we're going deep sea fishing on Thursday, and that, then on right? Friday we're gonna. They're like, yeah, they're all retired, you know. So they're like, yeah, yeah. let's go.
2: Oh. You know,
0: the uh, the VIP Tix secondary ticket broker for the Miami Dolphins VIP TIX. They estimated fifty two percent of the tickets went to Western New Yorkers. I feel like that's a little things. high. I do too. I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't know if that takes that. into f- account just the secondary market was 52,
1: percent or maybe or, their you you know,
0: allotment
1: that they have available to fans. You know, right, maybe maybe right. that ticket company only has right. 30,000 tickets exactly. to sell in the whole building. And so that's maybe all the half Bills of their tickets that right. they've sold went to Bills fans, but I don't know about the entire stadium. I would be listen. Miami surprised. fans will show
0: up. They're they're. This is the kind of game Miami fans. Would, oh yeah, would they're out front runners. Yeah, front absolutely. runner fans. So they're going to show up too. Uh, the Bills are still working with noise noise machines at practice just to make sure they're ready for it. If if in, oh, yeah. you know when the Miami fans do show up and and show out, um, you know, late in these games is where it. You kind of see it. It used to happen when when the team goes down there any time and they get up on Miami late and the game's over and there's still time on the clock, the whole lower bowl turns into a home game. Right. Because Miami fans are out of there. they got other things to do, which you can understand. I guess. Yeah.
1: We have to take a break here, but we're going to take your phone calls when we come back. So if you have a question for the OBL Friday fan mailbag, fire it off at us. 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Got open lines for you, so hop on board. We'll chat with you next when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it's time now for... Excuse me, Mr. Tasker. Presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner, the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from Steve Tasker, the Wall of Famer. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. This could be a Bruce Smith signed photo, a Stefan Diggs signed jersey, or even a signed Jim Kelly replica helmet. Rules do apply Visit buffalobills.com slash T-S-E Tasker for more information. The winner this week is David, who asks, With all the talk this week about Pro Bowl rosters, what is your greatest memory about playing in the Pro Bowl? You had some good games, as I remember. Um, I'll say this. So I, <clears throat> I get drafted by
0: the Oilers, And then end up in Buffalo. And I was, you know, as you can tell, there's a picture there. I mean, I look 12 uh, years old. And I was, you know. Shoulder pads look fantastic. Right. I look like a refrigerator. But so we, you know, I played three years. Then I I came to Buffalo midway through 86. Then 87 was a strike year. And I I started to finally find my groove with the Bills. And uh, I, my favorite pro bowl moment. This is the game they're showing highlights now, the 93 game when I was MVP and it was with Don Shula's as that this as coaching staff as a matter of fact. So I'm I'm 87 happens, we finish the season, we don't go to the playoffs, right? I'm sitting in the in the meeting room and I uh, and I was always just a guy I was trying to fit in, right? I wanted to make a career, have a career, be a guy that you know, you just, what I think the biggest biggest thing for most guys is just earning the respect of the guys you play with and the guys you play against even, right? You want to earn their respect. And back then, the only the only guys, the people that got to vote on the pro bowl were the players on the teams and the coaches. Mm-hmm. The coaches counted no had one voting. vote and the players. So it was only the guys in the in on the field that got to see, you know, got to say who was in the pro bowl, right? So I'm sitting in a meeting room late in the season, eighty-seven season, and Walt Corey, the old defensive coordinator, you know the uh, swizzle stick guy. Yeah, he comes in, and I'm just sitting there, and you know, wasn't thinking anything about it. And he comes in, he taps me on the on, the, which was unusual, you know, because most guys you file in, you go sit down. And he comes over, and he's sitting there. I feel he's standing there, and he he taps me, and he holds his hand out, and he shakes my hand, and he whispers to me, he goes, "You made the pro." He goes, "You made the Pro Bowl," which was.
1: Like the furthest thing
0: from your brain, it it was one of the happiest. Mo- it was one of the happiest moments of my life because I really felt validated, right? Right. Like somebody other than just you not a
1: 12 year old in pants anymore. Right.
0: Somebody other than the guys I played golf with on my team liked me, right? Thought <laughs> that I could play, right? Other guys on my team. I It was. uh It was. I, I've never. It was um a moment for me that. Really, really meant something. Really. Still does. Still to this day, I remember that and what it meant. And I, you know, of course, as soon as I could, I, you know, ran home, called, called the family, mm-hmm. told them. It was a big deal. It was an absolute monumental And the Pro Bowl occasion.
1: was a bigger deal back then. Than it, it was is Because now. of the fact that it was like a circus. It
0: was only, it was only players and coaches that voted. Yep. And they played a real game. Like you saw some of the highlights. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were it's real football. It, it used to be a real football game. And uh, it was so awesome to be out there so awesome to be out there and you know obviously I you know I went that time and then the next year I wasn't in it for like 2 years um I wasn't in it in that was eight after the 87 season so I wasn't in it after the 88 season when we were 12 and 4 and I wasn't in it after the 89 season when we were the bickering bills and then in 90 the super bowl year uh I got back in it and went six more times it was um uh, I'll never forget that, that feeling of getting named for the first time. There's something in it, man. There's really something in it. And uh, I'll, I'll never, that, was the most, that was one of the most memorable and most meaningful moments of my entire career, and maybe even my entire life. Uh, being in that, in that realm, in that profession, and looking like I did, you know, <laughs> look, you know like I didn't belong. You beat the odds. Yeah, very much so. And then to have then to find out that all of those guys out there, somewhere in my conference in the AFC, all the all the Howie Longs and the Marcus, you know and Marcus Allen's and the you know Dan Marinos and all those guys out there voted
1: for me was Yeah, because your own teammates cannot vote for you. You can't vote for a player on your team for the Pro Bowl. Now I will say that Back in the old days, even before your time, you'd have two guys from one team call two guys from the other team be like, "Hey, vote right, for right. this guy for us, well, and we will vote for your is, guy yeah, for
0: you and one, one thing there there's always some of that, but also um, it was like I didn't vote for like the defensive end for the team our you vote for s- your- our special teams' guys would vote for their special exactly. for the special team's guy, and the offensive line would vote for the defensive lineman yes. and that kind of thing, so because they knew. Right, those are the guys that gave You're them problems. against them every right, those are the guys they were pushing against. So, uh, and the kickers and punters were, you know, you just go to the stat sheet basically and say, okay, yeah, this is the guy, and he killed us too. So that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I was, I can't, I can't even put into words what it meant. I really can't. That's awesome. I can't even put into words what it meant. Um, for for me, when I when that first happened to me, it was. It was a moment I, I just, I, I you know, I can't even put it into words. It was so unbelievably off the charts, like I never thought that would ever happen to, to me. Yeah. So that's my that's my most memorable Pro Bowl moment happened <laughs> before I ever played Before anyone. you ever got there.
2: Yeah.
1: That's cool. So that is Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker. Congrats to David, who's going to get a premium mystery box of signed items, courtesy of Total Sports Enterprises. Let's go to the phones, though, as the OBL Friday fan mailbag is open. And leading us off today is Kevin in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Kevin?
2: Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. and hope you had a nice holiday.
1: Yeah, thanks. We did.
2: Um, The thing I worry about, I'm sure the Bills will make obviously the playoffs, the way they've been playing, even though they've started off slow. But the two teams I worry the most, you always have those two teams you worry about like last couple years. Either the Bengals or the Chiefs, mostly the Chiefs, but the two teams I worry about are both from the AFC North, and that would be Baltimore, who's rocking and rolling like crazy, and Cleveland, who's like Joe Flacco has found his I don't know, fountain of youth or something, because Cleveland has not played this good in the play or getting in the playoffs since that year Baker took them to the playoffs when he clunked the Steelers with all those turnovers, but they have been nothing but a circus. But I don't know if Flacco's found in the fountain of youth. He met up with the spirit of Ponce Davion, the guy who created it, or something. I don't know. But I worry about them because they just look like like they're so loosey goosey. And and I remember when the in nineteen eighty when the Raiders won their Super Bowl as the first wild card team. That's the same way they felt with Plunkett. No one's expecting them to do anything. So the hell with it. Why not? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I get I yeah, what guess you're, you're saying, Kevin. Kevin. Um, you're right, and, and I would agree with you. It's it's Baltimore, Cleveland, Buffalo, both. You know, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cleveland, Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo. You can put it in any order you want, but I think those two, three teams are the ones who are. And I think Cleveland's in the conversation a lot because of their record. I mean,
1: their defense is ridiculous.
0: They're 11 and 5, so they're, you know, they're as good as Miami Dolphins' record right now and they're yeah, better the than revolving the revolving door of quarterbacks. Right, and they're doing it with four different starting quarterbacks. That's and I think that's a story that is um worthy of. It. It's not just the story, they're playing good. Stefanski's probably going to get his second coach of the year. Right. So um, we'll we'll see what happens when it sh- shakes out. But don't forget, Cleveland's locked in. They're not going. The Bills have yet to secure a playoff spot. Yeah. They're not even, they may not even get in. And if, you, if the Bills don't get in, you can bet it's going to be Cleveland-Baltimore at some point for the whole conference. Um, they're just playing too well. And I think Flacco hit it just right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he's not in the grind of a 17-game season. He's in the grind of like a six-game season. Yeah, that's
1: different for a guy his age. Yeah, a thirty-eight-year-old quarterback can navigate that, right? Because it's an abbreviated season, as far as he's concerned. Right. So he's got probably enough in the tank.
0: But I, I agree with you, Kevin. I mean, it's it's you got to give to Baltimore. They're they're thirteen and three. They've won close games. They've won convincingly. They beat the Dolphins, who are that right now the two seed, thumped them, uh, albeit at home. Uh, Jackson And Kansas City and Jacksonville, Kansas City is not the same team. We all we can all see it. No. Even a casual fan would see it. But Cleveland has steadily and methodically pushed their way to the top of the heap as well. Uh, Buffalo has been you know up and down. They've been a roller coaster. Certainly you feel like they've got it under the hood somewhere, but they haven't shown it consistently. So, yeah, you might be right. It might be Baltimore, Cleveland, then Buffalo, although it may be seeded differently when it all
1: comes out. Nice job, too, with the Ponce de Leon reference, too. Yeah, it was I, very enjoyed nice. that. I did, yes, the Fountain of Youth. That's yes, right. I, I enjoy that. Um, let me know if you find it. Uh, let's go back to the phones and to Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy?
3: Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Miami had one of the easiest schedules of the year, and the Bills had one of the more difficult. And when, when Miami played Buffalo and Baltimore, they were exposed. This this is what gives me hope. I'm looking for Shakir, Kincaid, Cook, and hey, throw in Davis and Diggs, and I think we can handle them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kincaid and Shakir are two important parts of the offense, as well as Cook, who had yet to emerge the last time the Bills played the Dolphins back in Week 4. Cook had not declared himself and stepped on the scene and said, I'm the lead dog in this offensive backfield for the Bills. And Kincaid had yet to string together any form of consistency. It was his fourth NFL game. And Shakir had not stepped into the role that he now finds himself. So I think that lends far more variance to the playmaking list on the offensive side of the ball for the Bills. And by by virtue of that, I think it makes them a little more difficult to defend. And I think that comes at a good time yeah. because Diggs has had a little bit of a struggle here over this last stretch. Well, whether they're better offensively or
0: or not, they are a very different team to defend here in week eighteen than they were in week four. Very different. It was Diggs and Davis uh and Dawson Knox. You know, now it's diggs. Cook, Shakir, and Kincaid. It's a it's a different mix, and yeah. it, that causes a different problem. It changes the matchup. Now I don't know about the 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 strength of uh, Miami's strength of victory wins
1: on their on well, their, their strength of schedule is four thirty four winning percentage. Right. Their opponents have a total of one hundred and eleven wins. That is lowest in the entire conference. Second on that list, though, is Buffalo, 117 wins yeah,
0: Buffalo by their opponents. Because of the division, they played the West. they played, you know, you they played, played a the New West. England team. They played you, the
1: AFC West. Well, and you also played a New England team that stunk this year right. and a Jets team that grossly underachieved without their quarterback. Right. So that kind of compromised the
0: yeah, strength. So, so the Buffalo's schedule, while it, it was slightly more difficult, it was almost virtually the same as the Dolphins, yeah. except for maybe one or two games. So, uh, yeah, there's something in that, but I I don't know. Them playing at home is going to really help them as much as it – I think it even helps them more than it helps Buffalo and Buffalo's at home. Not because the crowd's not good or whatever, but uh, Buffalo plays better on the road so the gap is, is less, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. Buffalo's good on the road. They're pretty good on the road. They're, I think they're at least even on the road. I think four and four this year, They're
1: three and, uh, they're three and four right now. Three this and will four be their the road. eighth road game. You're right. not, if you're not counting, if you're not counting Jacksonville, which was technically a home game yeah, I don't, in London, yeah. they're three and four on the road this season. Right. Um, Speaking of going on the road, the boys are headed to Miami to celebrate the last away game of the regular season. We're giving away a signed Ed Oliver helmet. Enter today at buffalobills.com slash giveaway. Break time for us. We're back to your phone calls when we return here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Great. all blood donors with connect life in january will receive an exclusive buffalo bills winter hat connect life has blood drives located across western new york to make donating easy for everyone be part of our life-saving team and donate blood with connect life visit connect life give to make your appointment today we have an update from miami looks like tyreek hill and Jalen Waddell, along with Raheem Mostert, all returned to practice today. Waddle ran routes and caught passes from Tua. So that is an update. Uh, he did that in individual drills. No word yet on if he's doing anything in team drills down there during Dolphins practice today. But certainly a lot more optimistic than we had been given inklings about earlier in the week. So we'll see. My my estimation, Steve, we're is we're go. he's probably headed towards a questionable designation, and they'll see right. how he feels right before game time.
0: The, you got to think. You got to think. Those players are going to do everything. They oh, they can are to dying play. to play. They are dying to play. These, man, these are the games you get in the. You, everybody just wants to play. You just want to make the team. You want to be good, and then all of a sudden you get on the teams like, okay, cool. Let's, how good are we all? We're really this. These kind of games. Or what it's all about. You, had, everybody wants to play in these games. Every guy wants to play in these games. Even the guy, you know, the guys that are having horrible seasons with other teams are like sitting at home going, "Man, I wish, you know, I, wish, I want to, I want the game to mean something." Yeah, I want to play it. You know, so you're sitting there and say, Waddle and Hill, Tua, all those. They're all going. I can they're players. They're all going. man, I, I got to get on the field. I got to get on the field for this right? Oh, they want to put the bills. You got to get on the field for this. They
1: want to put the bills away once and for all. They are tired of them winning this division. It's three seasons running. They're sick of it. And you know, I've talked to a couple of South Florida reporters who cover the team and they said, they are sick of this bills team, sick of them. And they just want to put them away once and for all, take the number two seed and make a run in the playoffs. But Winning the division and dethroning the Bills is big right. on their list. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. The other thing you shouldn't make a mistake about is, a, and I'll quote Rudy Tomjanovich here, <laughs> former NBA player and head coach of the Houston Rockets, who won back-to-back titles in the two years that Michael Jordan was out of basketball. And he said, Never underestimate the heart of a champion. And last I checked, the Bills are three-time division champs. So, yeah.
0: That's and the other side. Think about, think about this now. The Bills, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't be in a better spot because it is all in the, on the line for them. Everything's on the line. The season, Perhaps the, the postseason. Perhaps this, this could be – if they don't play well, it's the last game of the year. They're done. They're, that swing at the – that chance at the ring is swing at the fence. That, you know, their slice of the pie is gone if they don't win this game they got to win this game got to win it you, this is and that's exactly where you want to be you know so yeah. what we'll, you know so we'll see if they you know if they can rise up we've seen them do it before i mean they like we we've, we've been talking about one of their criticisms has been they they play down to their competition and they play up to their competition right. listen you got this is this is it man this is the as good a competition as there is in the division these are the guys yep. you've been chasing them for three months and now you've caught him and now 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 you've caught him and now you can pass him you can nip him right at the wire yep
1: Oh man how fun is it going to be
0: oh let's go yeah
1: there are some updates concerning player availability for other games that impact Buffalo's playoff status Minka Fitzpatrick and Alandon Roberts for the Steelers are questionable for Sunday's game against the Ravens who are starting their backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, incidentally, along with a slew of others, because they're trying to rest their starters, having the number 1 seed locked up. But on the Steelers' side of the ledger, Minka Fitzpatrick, a Landon Roberts questionable. They have elevated linebacker Miles Jack and safety Eric Rowe from the practice squad. So it seems like Roberts has a better chance to play than Fitzpatrick, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, but neither have been ruled out. Meanwhile... Ryan Tannehill is going to start at quarterback for the Titans. Will Levis not fit enough to play, so it could be backup against backup in that game because I haven't seen anything definitive on Trevor Lawrence as of yet. You've got was feel, iffy all week. If you're Tennessee, though, you got to feel good about having Ryan Tannehill ready to come in. I mean, good grief, yeah. that guy's. And just to remind everybody, the Bills need Pittsburgh or Jacksonville to lose this week. So Tennessee will start Ryan Tannehill. Who Jacksonville starts at quarterback is still to be determined. It could be C.J. Beathard. It could be Trevor Lawrence. And then the Steelers are going with Mason Rudolph at quarterback against Baltimore's backup QB Tyler Huntley. So you've been updated on the games that impact the Bills this weekend, and obviously those games will be played and completed before the Bills even take the field. Break time for us here. Hour number two begins With senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, who joins us next here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: live presented by Kaleida Health.
1: Hour number two on a Friday can mean only one thing. Senior producer from NFL Films Greg Cosell joining us. Also the co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show and Greg Cosell's appearance is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Well Greg, this is the last game of the regular season number 272. uh yeah and it's for all the division marbles you couldn't ask for something better in prime time I suppose although I imagine Bills and Dolphins fans are gonna be biting their fingernails the whole
4: game I would imagine so and uh I guess the, obviously the Bills want to win the division we know that but they'll know before the game whether you know they could be in the playoffs before the game starts but they'll still want to win the division and get the number two seed
0: Oh absolutely and so, same thing with the dolphins. I mean, there's no way they're going to I mean, they've got a lot of guys on the injury report uh oh. and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be an all hands on deck situation. They even without a week off playing at home for those guys is going to make all the difference in the world. One, oh, yeah. Yeah, one thing I yeah. want to ask you about in this matchup, one of the things that we maybe feel like the Bills have the edge in is the offensive the Dolphin offensive line against the Bills defensive line because, you know, obviously they've got a couple of guys nicked up. Sure. Um, and plus, give us an idea of how the Dolphins offensive line has played, how they're expected to play, um, you know, and how they fare in, in you know, the conversation with other offensive lines around the league. Where do they stack up?
4: Well, I, I think Steve, it's a little different with the Dolphins in this regard. The nature of their pass game is such that the burden is not placed as much on it, on their O line as it might be for some other pass games. Because when they're clicking, and you know, we can get into that in a moment. But when they're clicking. Uh, Tua hits his back foot the ball gets out I'm almost certain his snap to throw is the quickest in the NFL Um, so they can play with theoretically less than quality offensive linemen now having said that there's still going to be long yardage situations in the game there are in every game and that's where I think the Bills defensive line uh, really has to show the the advantage and let's keep in mind too that jones 92 is now back daquan jones and he may have had the best game of his career week four against the dolphins and he's back and i thought he looked pretty good on tape this week so he's back and and i think that's a, a big deal for the bills
1: yeah especially knowing they're going against a backup center in liam Eichenberg, who didn't play center until this season and as a matter right. of fact it was his first start at center here in week four because Connor Williams was injured for that game as well. I know he's out for the year now, but he was injured for that game and they had a monumental problem in the middle of that line with him in there in the pivot. He's more experienced now, but still could be an issue for sure. And, um, the other now thing. It's funny you
4: say that, Brownie. If I could just jump on yeah. that, we know Ed Oliver is playing really good football. But the one other thing that stands out to me watching the, the the Bills' defense is they've been really effective with what we call TT stunts, tackle tackle stunts. And I think when you're playing against a center who does not have a lot of experience, and and then it becomes a mental part as well as a physical part. You know, I think there's an advantage there.
1: All right, so let's let's take that a step forward because I was going to ask you about. The job that Sean McDermott has done as this defensive play caller, it looks like they have successfully recalibrated from the losses of Jones, Milano, White, Rasul Douglas has been a revelation as a deadline acquisition with six takeaways and seven games played with the Bills. But for me and my money, it's the simulated pressures, it's the exotic and aggressive nature of this defense that is in most stark contrast to what we saw this defense do under Leslie Frazier. There are clearly more splash plays. They've got 53 sacks on the season, good for third in the league, and I think they're up to like 83 quarterback hits. They have a chance to tie or break the franchise record of 57 sacks set back in 2013. What what do you feel has made them so effective? Because they look like they're playing their best ball of the season on defense right now.
4: I would say two things. One is, is schematic and one is an individual who I really think deserves to be spoken about, who uh, we probably would not have thought that going into the season. Um, you made a great point about the simulated pressures. I mean, this past week was just an example. Obviously, they're not the, the Patriots are not one of the better offenses in the league, but that's irrelevant. It's what the Bills are doing schematically. The first half, they showed multiple rush concepts. All of them featured four-man pressures, and they were not all four-man D-line pressures. They were what you call simulated pressures. I call them zone exchanges for the most part, although at times they did play man behind it, but essentially they're rushing four, but one or two of those four is either a linebacker, a defensive back, so that, that's what we call simulated pressures. They're really, really good at that. Um and uh, you know, for instance, I, I can't remember, uh, I'm trying to remember the the Douglas interception return for a touchdown. That was actually a five man pressure where Poyer and Hyde were both part of the rush. Zappi recognized it. Um Jalen Rager did not. But um the other the player I really think is so critical in this game and has had a sensational year is Terrell Bernard. Um He's played at a really high level, and I think we see every week when you look at the Dolphins' pass game, because it's so timing and rhythmic-based, those underneath defenders are absolutely critical, Um, and I think, you know, we saw it last week when they played Baltimore and how important Roquan Smith and Queen were, Patrick Queen, for the, uh, for, um, the Ravens. So I think Bernard, who like I said, I think he's had a really fantastic season. He's been really good in pass coverage when needed. He's been a very good blitzer. Um I think he's a really critical player in this game. And I don't know how much you remember
0: from the first matchup about how it was was coming in. Both teams flying really high offensively off the last couple of weeks. You know, the Dolphins yep. were 3 and 0 at the time and the Bills had just hung a ton of points on the Commanders and the Raiders. Uh, and the Bills come out with a big victory, what about – is because of the personnel changes, because of the injuries, how different – or if you can put it in a big picture, I don't know if you can step back from the film study, but put it in the big picture, how different these clubs are. I mean, everybody's a little different totally. after a couple minutes, but these well, two teams are, are in stark
4: contrast to where they were. Stark. And, you know, it's funny. To play off what Brownie said, Steve, in that game, which was week four – the Bills essentially just had a four-man D-line pass rush. Now, as as we said, Jones had a phenomenal game, but they weren't doing much with the simulated pressures at that point. Now they did a good job at, in that game with disguise and late coverage movement to get to their concepts. Uh, they played a lot of shell coverage, you know, which means uh, two two uh, high safeties, which I would imagine they'll do again. Uh, that's the way most teams play the Dolphins, just because of the speed, although. I think Waddle's not going to go, from what I gather. Um, Mostert has not practiced at all this week up to this point as we speak on Friday afternoon. Um, A big X factor, in my view, for the Dolphins is Devin Aitchin because he can really run and he can be used in multiple ways. But I think it's defensively where the Dolphins are really down people. And this is where the Bills have to play better on offense and they have to be better in the pass game. Um, I think you guys would agree that Josh Allen did not play particularly well last week. He's missing some throws that he normally makes. Um, he's been a little late turning the ball loose at times. Um, but they're going to be without Xavier Howard, who's already been ruled out. Um, obviously, they didn't have Jalen Ramsey week four. He's a fantastic player. But we'll see what they do. I imagine it will be Eli Apple playing on the outside and not Kohu, because we all remember week four what uh, what happened with Kohu. We just couldn't cover Stephon Diggs at all. Um, and then they're missing pass rushers. Uh you know that's the thing. They're out Chubb, they're out Phillips. Um they're missing really key pass rushers. Now Melvin Ingram has played snaps the last couple of weeks. I don't think he's looked particularly good on film. Yeah,
5: right.
1: I, I Melvin Ingram Traditionally has given Deion Dawkins trouble, but I watched him last week against Baltimore. He looked ordinary to me. He didn't look like the Melvin. And he room. looks overweight to me, Steve uh, yeah. Brownie. I, I don't would, know what you thought. I would right. say that too. I would say I was trying to yeah. be nice, but yeah, you said it, and I'll go along with it. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the film. I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm not
2: trying to. No, uh, I know.
4: I'm not trying to, you know, assassinate his character. No, I'm no, just I know. On film.
2: Yes. He looked a little heavy. I get you know? it. I get it. No,
1: you're right. You're right. He was. Uh let's let, I wanna you segue me into my next question I was gonna ask you about the Dolphins defense. We know that Vic Fangio, by trade, typically takes away your easy button answers defensively and forces quarterbacks to be patient. Josh sometimes can get impatient, as we know. Um and then there are other times where he won't take the check down and hope to make a bigger play downfield, and then the structure of the play breaks down and he's running around doing off-script stuff. He did that a lot last week. What do you anticipate Fangio's approach to be, knowing he is down the pass rushers that you referenced? Do you think he sticks to his model of taking away the easy button answers and forcing a quarterback like Allen to be patient? Or do you think he believes he needs to get exotic Being down the personnel, he is down.
4: That's a great question, because normally Vic is not exotic, but I tell you what, they're going to play better than they did last week, Brownie, because last week may have been the worst performance that I saw in film this year from Vic Fangio's Dolphin defense. You probably watched it. There were receivers that were running free yeah, the entire game. Yeah. It looked it looked like they'd never seen motion before on a number of plays. So I would have to assume you're going to see some of that from the Bills. Um you know, I, I think with Josh, you you We've talked about this, and and it it showed up again last week. You know, he does have a tendency to leave the pocket too early and not allow the offense and the pass game to work for him. And I think that's something he needs to continue to do better. He needs to let the pass game work for him as opposed to forcing the pass game. I mean, I'll give you a great example. I thought his best throw of the game, I mean, the 51-yarder to Kincaid obviously was a beautifully thrown ball and a great play. But I thought his best throw of the game, and you'll remember it for sure because it was actually critical. It was 27-21 at the time, was 18 yards to Shakir on second and 14 in the fourth quarter from the 10-yard line. You remember that play? Yeah. I mean, that was a play where he actually threw the ball. It was zone coverage, and you had to throw it into a window, okay? And you know how it is. Steve, you know this extremely well, you can't wait till the receiver gets in the window because then the backside underneath defender becomes a factor in the play. And he actually turned that loose before Shakir even broke behind the underneath defender. So to me, that was his best throw of the game because that was letting the play happen, reading the coverage correctly and making the right throw. And I think he needs to do more of that. Um, because, like I said, and it's evident on film, I'm only telling you what the film shows, guys. You know that um, he just leaves at times too early, and there's just the, there's plays left on the field that need to be made. What do you think the Bills' passing game should look like
0: against this Miami defense?
4: Well, you know, I, I, I think. You have to go after Apple. Mm -hmm. He'll play outside. I'm almost positive. I think you do have to look at some one-on-one matchups on the outside. Uh, Ramsey is a phenomenal corner, uh, and Ramsey is a great zone corner. He may be as good a zone corner as there is in the league, even though many might think of him as a man-to-man player, but he hasn't done a ton of that in recent years with the Rams and this year under Vic Fangio, who's not a big believer in pure man, although he will play it on third down. Um, You know... I'd really like to see Kincaid and Knox be factors in this game. I think that the tight ends can be factors in this game. But it, it, I'd like to see it be schematic um, because that's essentially what you have to do versus a, when Vic Fangio's defense is playing well, I think you have to beat it schematically because it's it's it tends to be a lot of – zone man principle, sort of matching together you know it's a lot of match carry deliver it's and you got to be careful about that you know sometimes it might look like one thing and it's something else so Josh has to be careful about that I mean all this will be talked about all week and has been talked about all week as you know because when they're playing well a Vic Fangio secondary is not easy to play against
1: which is why it would seem that the soft underbelly of the Miami defense is at that second level. Duke Riley got exposed yep. last week in coverage on more yep. than one occasion by Baltimore. Cook is, I would argue, an even more dynamic athlete than a Justice Hill. So using him out of the backfield would seem to make sense. Whether it's whether it's um, Duke Riley or Jerome Baker comes back and starts, I, I think still advantage Buffalo there. And then Shakir and Kincaid in the middle of the field too. I I, I think the well, that's second what I, yeah. the second level is where
4: they've got to attack here, I would think. I would agree with that. I mean, look, we saw last week, uh, you know, they, they have been using Cook. Every play's not been complete. You know, we, we saw him miss a big play opportunity to Cook on the wheel versus Tavai, the linebacker, yep. Jelani Tavai, last week late in the first quarter when Josh, you know, left it too long and out of bounds. They have used Cook as a matchup weapon. Um even if it's zoned, because if you're going to run, you know, th- those sort of wheel routes or rail routes, whatever term you want to use, very often an underneath defender, even in zone, has to run with that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think, I, I think that this game, you know, we, we know that Diggs, for whatever reason, I certainly can't speak to this. Diggs has become less of a factor in the past game for whatever reason. But I think Kincaid has to be a factor. Um, I think that Cook has to be a factor. You know, I think there's ways to attack this defense. But I think you do need to be patient. Um, they'll take their shots, no question. I mean, look what they did last week. You know, obviously he just missed, um, you know, he, he, he overthrew Diggs on what should have been a touchdown. Right. Um, you know, he's going to have to make those throws in this game have you
0: noticed anything about Diggs and the way he's playing the separation the route running Uh, have have you noticed anything out of kilter about his individual play
4: no and in fact it's funny you say that because i have been looking and i think there have been times where he's won on routes and the ball just hasn't gone to him now i don't know because I don't know the play call specifically, you know, I mean, I can see the, the the route, Steve, as they develop, but I don't know how they teach it, you know, and how they, you know, how they want it thrown based on who's primary, who's secondary. But I mean, I see many examples where he wins on routes, um, but maybe he's not in that particular progression.
1: Yeah. And then last thing for you, Greg, from me, back to the Fangio defense, knowing that maybe the linebackers are a mismatch in coverage, no. for them, could you see them using more of their dime and dollar personnel in obvious passing situations, knowing their pass rush may suffer, maybe put more DBs on the field so you're better in coverage?
4: Yeah, and i I also think that helps too uh, when Josh leaves the pocket because you have better athletes. So I, I, I could easily see that for sure. Now they won't do that on second and four, but I think, you know, you're right. If it's third and nine, third and 10, I think you'll, you'll absolutely see that. Um, yeah. It just makes sense. Cause you just, you know, we don't know about Baker. I guess he's in the, in the window, whatever they call that, but we don't know if he's going to play this week.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, McDaniel said today he has had no setbacks. So he's looking like he'll be back. I think they're, they're, they're speculating as to whether they'll just throw him back in the lineup or kind of right. ease him back in, knowing he hasn't played for four weeks. The speed of the game, as you know, takes some adjustment when you're just thrown back in after
4: a month layoff. So, who's going to be there? Are there edge rushers going to be Ingram and Agba? I think it might be Van Ginkle and. and oh, Van Ginkle. And then, yeah, Van Ginkle. And then a good Ingram, player, and, by the
2: way. Ingram yeah. and
1: Agba, I think, are going to rotate.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, the other factor, too, and I don't know what they'll do. I guess much would depend on Baker, is we've seen Van Ginkle throughout the course of this year also play off the ball. ball, So we'll see what they think is their best approach in this game, because you're playing a little different quarterback in Josh Allen, because obviously Josh Allen can make plays that other quarterbacks can't, and he can certainly do it second reaction movement. So, you know, you're just playing with a little different, you know, physical animal here, and that sometimes can necessitate doing some things a little bit differently. Last one for me, Greg, um, uh,
0: the bills are one of the few teams, if maybe, I don't know, I haven't checked it out, but maybe one of the few teams in the entire league that have played the same five guys at the offensive line, all five yeah. spots all year. Um, uh, they've, they've sprinkled in, uh, David Andrews, David Edwards, uh, time or two, you know, for the extra offensive line I and mean, all of that stuff, sure. but those five guys are gone. How have they played? Give me a, give me a kind of big picture of where they're at and where they're at now, how they've played and where they're at now. You
4: know, I think they played pretty well. um, you know, I think overall it's been a solid group. Um, You know, and and I'm giving you an honest opinion. I think they played overall better than I thought they would. I think it's been a pretty solid season. Um, I think the run game has, you know, again, they're not a running team, even though they've had running moments, but they're not a team that I think starts their offense by saying we better run the ball or we can't play offense. So overall, I think they played well. One point I would love to make, and it just occurred to me that I think it, it needs to be made. The Bills, get into the red zone an awful lot. Okay, I think they're fourth in the league in red zone possessions, and they score when they get in the red zone. They're second in TD uh, percentage. Allen is number one. He's not turned the ball over in the red zone, which may surprise a lot of people that just think he turns it over. You know, so that's an important part of this game. You have to assume they're going to get in the red. They move the ball. I mean, they're still number one in the league and in third down conversion percentage. They move the ball. So red zone becomes a really important part of this game.
1: Greg, thanks as always. Enjoy that game, especially if you stay thanks, up to Greg. the end of it. We know you'll be watching it Oh, back I think in the I, film might anyway. one, <laughs> I might have to stay
4: up for this <laughs> one, Johnny.
1: This one I might have to stay
4: up for. Normally not, but I, I might have to do it this week. Yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah, All right. right, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Greg. All right, guys, thanks. All right, that's Greg Cosell, senior producer, NFL Films, co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. And I forgot to ask him, but I would bet your bottom dollar that – Bill's Dolphins is going to be a featured segment in the ESPN NFL matchup show this week as yeah. well. Uh, so I would plan on trying to catch that. It's usually on early in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, good X's and O's breakdowns for the layman. Right. I mean, they get into a little bit of football language, but not so far deep in the weeds that you think they're speaking Swahili. They really right. break it down for you know a fan that wants to know more about the game and how plays unfold and... Assignments and leverage, and all of that stuff, they're really good at breaking it down on that show. Right. Uh, you can learn a lot watching it. Yeah, they,
0: and it's not just, it's all everybody on the show. They they do a great job with it. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but hard to find sometimes.
1: Yes. But it airs early in the morning. Yeah. So if you're an early riser, get put, set the DVR if you've got one. Yeah, or you can do that. That's the other option. 803 0550 1 550 2550, the number to get on board the OBL. Friday Fan Mailbag is open for you to submit your questions, either on the phone lines at those numbers I just mentioned or on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Also wanted to remind you that Tailgate Friday is up and running if you have a recipe plan for this weekend, whether it's at home in your driveway, in your man cave, or you are on site in Miami Gardens in the parking lots outside Hard Rock Stadium and you got a menu item that you want to share with the rest of your Bills fan faithful, Feel free to do it on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. In the meantime, we go to the phones, and waiting for us there is Mike in Lancaster. What do you got for us, Mike? You're on One Bills Live.
3: Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to um, um, talk about um, the Bills were on uh, when they weren't doing very well. I guess I got a little bit nervous when they weren't during during doing very well, and we were on the bottom, and we were in the hunt. They called it. Um, I always told, uh, you know, I always said that people should be more positive in that. And, um, now look at us now. I mean, we're, we're fighting for the division title. You know what I mean? And, um, I talked to you two guys about the no huddle. Maybe you will remember, maybe you won't. And you explained to me that, you know, it worked in the worked years ago, but you didn't think it would work now. And, um. I really feel that the bills are going to do very well this Sunday. And, uh, one other thing is I'm also glad that they're playing at night. I think it'll be much cooler than it was. Like I think it was last year when the, when the bills were playing, they all had to be hydrated at that. And, um, let's see, I called several weeks ago when I talked with Sal and I had mentioned about the, uh, being positive with, you know, like I said before, And he thought that was a very good thing. And, you know, I know the bills, um, some weeks they don't do as well, you know, on the offense and that, but when they're clicking, I really believe that they could beat any one of these teams, Baltimore and all of them. Look what they did to Dallas. And someone was talking this morning about Diggs. Um, will he be here next year or not? I think he will. And I think he's going to have a, a really good game on Sunday. Um, we have great receivers. Every one of them are good. Uh, we have great running backs now. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of Josh, Cooks, and uh, that Johnson. And um, I really feel we're going to do very good this week, this weekend.
1: All right. Thanks for the call, oh, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean... When this team was 6-6 six and six and they were struggling to string wins together, they had alternated for about six weeks, win-loss, 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 and didn't really play more than one phase of good football each week. It was frustrating, and fans got annoyed. And I get why, because the expectations were far higher than that. Steve continued to pound the table and tell you the team is a good football team. They just have to get themselves right. They finally did here down the stretch with their backs against the wall. As we said earlier, they still haven't played – their most complete game of the year since week four, perhaps against the dolphins. And maybe the dolphins is the perfect tonic to get back to playing their best football going into the playoffs. Um, And, and, you know, the no huddle stuff, I think, as we explained earlier, you have to scale down your menu of plays. If you're going to play true, no huddle and play that fast, just like Steve's team did. Um, Nowadays, it seems to be more beneficial to jump into a tempo play or two in the middle of a series. Like, hey, and they did it last week. Let's get up on the ball fast, and let's go fast here on this next play to keep that personnel grouping on the field. But to do it for an entire game, I think, has its pluses and minuses. And more often than not, I think offensive coordinators would like to have more bullets in the gun in terms of play selection rather than go fast.
0: Yeah, when you go fast, the faster you go, the smaller the menu of plays you can use and you miss you miss opportunities and at the current point in NFL history where we're at, defenses and offenses are much more they're a lot really complex, very flexible in their ability to change philosophies within the game. You know, they can go from a zone read to a trap and pull and all that stuff. They can go from a zone blitz team to a zone team to a straight man team. They can go from a coverage team to a pressure team. They they can do all that stuff on either side of the ball. You lose a little bit of that ability, maybe all of that ability in certain situations when you go fast, the faster you go. Certainly offensively, you gain, if you can, you can gain an advantage. By not letting the opponent do that, change some things, or personnel or what have you, but they can always call radio in the signal, so they can change the philosophy, even if the players aren't didn't get a conversation with it before the game, the play. So the faster you go, the smaller the menu of plays that are at your disposal, uh, because you can't, you don't have time for shifts and motions and and this and that and checks and balances and all of that stuff a quarterback coordinators would prefer to have motion these days too yes because because you got to snap the ball if you're going to go fast and and now there's a different thing between getting up and doing everything at the line of scrimmage that's a different strategy where you go up the play caller is in the booth he's looking at them deploy their defense and he's watching it upstairs and then without until it gets to 15 seconds left on the play clock he can talk to the quarterback live Uh, the quarterback can't feed talk back to him but the you know, he can say, "Hey, listen, thirty-two. Look at that. That think about. Let's go. Let's go. Whatever. Give him a formation and a shift, and the and the quarterback would know the play, kind of thing." Uh, but the faster you go, yes, you do get some benefit from it, but you also limit yourself. So it's a, you know, it's double a give and take, it's a double edged sword. That you know, the, you're not, you're never going to bring back the K gun. It's not going to work. It's it's a different, it's a different world we live in now. Yeah.
1: Break time for us here, but your phone calls when we return. Mark in West Seneca, George on a cell, Joe and Utica, hang tight. We'll get to you when we return here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Come Collision course is brought to you by Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game. And this week's collision course is the guy who, who in all likelihood is going to be the primary tailback for the Dolphins on Sunday night. Rookie running back Devon A. Chan against Buffalo's defense is our collision course this week. For those that don't remember, Devon A. Chan had all of eight carries against the Bills back in week four and went for over 100 yards on those eight carries, including a 55-yard scamper and a three-yard carry for a touchdown. And it's sounding like he's going to be the primary ball carrier on Sunday night because Mostert's not going to be 100%, even though he is expected to play at this point by the Dolphins reporters down in Miami. The guy was out for a little while with a knee injury, missed the middle portion of the season, the kid is averaging eight yards a carry this season, Steve. The only reason he's not at the top of the league's leaderboard is he doesn't have enough carries to qualify. This kid has 93 carries on the season. Seven have gone for touchdowns. He's a problem. Runs like a four three two forty.
0: He looks like he runs a four three two forty. He runs faster than Mostert. He runs really fast. And I and I think you're gonna to have to have a plan for him and if he's going, he gets more touch, you know, heaven forbid he gets more than eight touches this time, right? I mean
1: Oh I think he will. Um, yeah. I right? think that's a given. Um, especially with a lot of the other
0: skilled guys hobbled. He is really dangerous. I and mean, you saw him even in we're watching highlights now of the Baltimore game, man. He gets a step and he is really going. He's like Tyreek, man. He looks like Tyreek. Um some of these guys are some guys are really fast and you see him they get out there and they can really run like like a DK Metcalf. You know, he can he can really cover a lot of ground. But like Mostert and Tyreek Hill, they go from zero to 1,000 miles an hour in like two steps. I mean, they're fast from the first couple of steps. It's not like they have to build up speed. So that's why they can get to the edge so fast. That's why they can get through uh, the traffic so fast. That's why they're a real, real issue because they can outrun angles. That's really hard to do in the NFL. You
1: can play the best angle you've ever played in your life defensively, and it doesn't matter against a guy like that. It just does not. Simply, simply put. So, A-chan, yes.
0: A-Chan is a huge issue that has to be addressed for this bill's defensive game plan. and, and it's hard for them too, because you don't even know because today it's coming clearer that Mostert may be available, may not be available, might take some, re- you know, you don't know who you're going to get. It's a problem because you don't know you who know to You are getting for.
1: A-chan, though. Right. And that's why he is our collision course, brought to you by Gabe's Collision. We pivot to Tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills, to see what is on the tailgate menu this week, whether you're down in South Florida for the game or at home cooking it up on your grill out back. I don't care if it's January. Get the job done, people. Uh, from Jason, who belongs to the Scottish Bills Mafia, Steve. Watching the 6 p.m. U.K. games. Get a few hours sleep. Get up at 1 a.m. U.K. time and watch the game with the volume turned low. Maybe have a beer or two. Miss work on Monday. Big Dubs and Victory Monday is coming up. So it's just beer. Shocking for well, the Scottish 2 Bills fan. At 2
0: a.m., I mean, you're not going to really you know, break open the smoker. It's a way
1: to start the Monday, I'll tell you that right you know, now. He's, missing, he's already decided he's missing work. That's so. right. David says, sushi for lunch. Smash Mouth Football Burgers, which includes buffalo sauce and blue cheese crumbles mixed in, with bacon, lettuce, barbecue, and blue cheese dressing and fries for dinner. That is right up Steve Tasker's alley. You have hit the trifecta of the Steve Tasker ingredient necessity list. Okay, I'm going to run them off for you. Bacon, okay, blue cheese... And buffalo sauce. That's right up Steve Tasker's alley. You yes. could not have made or
0: built a better burger. And, you know, the blue cheese dressing, the barbecue sauce, the barbecue wing
1: sauce. I mean, yeah. You know, He's also making homemade hot barbecue sauce wings air fried with blue cheese for the game. You ever air fry wings, Steve? I, yeah. They're not bad. No, it well... I mean
0: they're not It's not, fried. They're not good or bad because of the air fryer. It's everything else that goes into them. But yes, you can you can make they're great doable. wings. You they're can passable. make great wings with an air fryer if you know how to do it. Yep. No question about it.
1: Bill's mafia season says pulled pork, jalapeno poppers, and an elk rump roast. We got a hunter on the on the list here. Possibly cauliflower gratin as well. Never done that. Nor have I ever done an elk rump roast. But who I've never done an elk rump. No. Good for him. I hope he's got a lot of people to feed, because last I checked, elks are pretty big elks animals. Elks are big, right? Elk, rump, That's a big rump. Roast. How do, you, how do you, spice, you fit that in an oven? Well, yeah, how you do you got
0: to chop it up, I well, guess. Well, yeah, how do you— well, it's just a roast. It's not like the whole yeah. rump thing. It's just a cut of meat, like a cow yeah. roast, you know? so that's big. But how do you, like, spice and see—what do you put well, on a— I would think similar things. Like venison.
1: Yeah, I would think it's a lean meat, kind of like venison is. Yeah. I would say it's probably lean— so you can't cook it for too long, because right. so otherwise you ruin it, because yeah. you don't have fat to kind of soak in and all that yeah. stuff. But that's interesting. That is the most unique one I've seen so an far. Jalapeno poppers, pulled pork, and an elk rump roast. Ron go. says beer, lots and lots of beer. All right, ready to keep don't it simple, Don't start Ron? too soon, because it gets late early here at an 8.15 kick. Yeah, you're right about that. Kenny says start IV sedatives about 1 p.m., LOL. <laughs> somebody's nerves are going to be frayed by one o'clock uh and cheryl says we will be watching from home and eating my wife's homemade chicken wings so i'm guessing this is the husband of cheryl that sent that there um so all right good for you uh excellent excellent stuff we have to get back to the phones though at 8030550 and we go to mark in west seneca what do you got for us mark
5: uh, real quick, guys. Uh, I didn't plan on talking about this, but you're, you're talking about elk. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a Algonquin in Canada. I went on a canoe trip up there one when I was younger, and it we were canoeing through some tributaries, and we came around a corner uh, in a wood laden area, and lo and behold, we rolled right up on a on an elk, literally five feet away, eye to eye in waterways that were about anywhere from 8 to 10 foot deep. And they are huge animals, and they are not friendly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> neither,
1: <laughs> neither are moose, which are up there as well.
5: Yeah, so. yeah, it was, it was something to see. A uh, couple quick observations. Um, the whole thing about making the bills methodically go down the field, to me that could be a strategy mistake. Um, if they give us that way to go down the field, uh, we're eventually going to get in the red zone. We're a top red zone team, and all that does to me is keep their offense off the field. Yeah. So as long as Josh is willing to do it and sticks to that plan, I welcome that all day long. Let's, let's take our chances that way, get into the red zone, score our points when we get there, and keep them off the field. Uh, secondly, injuries. It's almost to the point now With uh, it's really irrelevant if any of these guys are going to dress because they're, every one of them, their top three, are a, a tweak, a cut away from not finishing the game and being hobbled. I mean, just if they play, that's that's one thing. But can they get through the game? Yeah. Can they get through the game? And that's what I'm really curious to see. And if they are able to get through the game, how effective are they going to be basically on one leg, one ankle, whatever they're dragging around? Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you guys one quick question Uh, At the risk of sounding like Mr. Sensitive, hometown fan, and I don't like to always bring this up, but the national talking heads, they irritate me sometimes. And in particular, Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN. Nice. Maybe you guys can tell me, when was he actual GM of the Jets? Because he never has a good thing to say about the Bills. He's always picking against them. Not that he should pick us. You know, pick the game what you believe. But it almost seems like he's got a grudge. And in particular, he always seems to have negative things to say about Josh. And as much as you can bring up the turnover issue, it's a fact. It's a reality. He never brings up the good stuff either, ever. You know, So I was just curious if he rubs you guys the same way he yeah. rubs me.
1: Uh, yeah, he does rub us the wrong way. We're, we're out of time here, but Steve and I will address all your questions when we come back here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Vision to Victory presented by AtWall Eye Care. Vision to Victory has the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills, AtWall Eye Care. See the 716 more clearly with AtWall Eye Care, your complete eye care provider, and the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Schedule a consultation at atwalleye.com to learn more about the new vision correction options available. Uh, For me, Steve, it's about using Cook, Kincaid, and Shakir. In the underneath areas in the passing game, I think you can get Cook out in space. There is a chance that Fangio puts seven DBs on the field to get more athletes to cover those guys, but I think you at least exploit that early, hope it works for you, and if they're going to put lighter guys on the field, run the football.
0: Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that either. Anytime they go seven DBs on the field, you got to run it at them, and I mean run it systematically, and then if you're going to go no huddle, that's when you do it. Run it, get up, line up, and go again. Um, and do it fast and hammer them. Uh, That's uh, one strategy I think that could work really well in this game. If you get the Dolphins in a light package, four down linemen and a bunch of DBs, pound the rock. Yeah, Um, That could work.
1: I'm not opposed to running Josh a little bit either and design stuff, quarterback sweep left, right, right, something like that. Bill's Friday injury report is out. The only player on the list, Mitch Morse, listed as questionable after missing practice today due to illness. Hopefully he gets better fast and can play on Sunday night. But otherwise, they're looking pretty good. We'll be here on Monday. We'll see you at noon. Hopefully we're talking playoffs.